position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, and welcome to episode number 240 of The Best Linux Podcast being recorded for you on this Friday, the 31st of May, the last day of May, uh, 2019. That would make it for our sequel friends, 2019-05-31 at 7.26 a.m. Pacific Coast time, left coast, coast the most, yo, 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 word up. Crack Engineer, I have War Molina over there in the booth holding up the whiskey sign, which means one thing, you're fired, Ivor. That's a good idea. Let's have some of this here. Whiskey. Oh, yeah. The whiskey. Mmm. 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 We got a big one for you this week. So, god damn it, I'm being tortured by I have this housefly that will not die. Been torturing me all fucking morning. I'm almost. Anyway, personal problems aside and sanitation issues, ha. Um, we got a big one for you this week, so let's get straight to it with our top stories. First of all, um, one of the game that we were going to have as our feature this week, 
uh, we're going to do a review of Nova Drift because we're at 23 hours and we've beaten it. Um, has been delayed till next week, so we can do a feature on th- uh, Total War Three Kingdoms, um, which is not a review, but we are like 12 or 13 hours into it. Let me see. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, something like that. Um, but we are going to be able to squeeze in a little bit of a mention of Nova Drift. Nova Drift, for those of you who've not ever heard of it, which I imagine is most of you, uh, came out um, a while ago. Uh, like two months ago, I want to say. It came out on the 27th. But yesterday, they opened up a beta branch that adds uh, like four new weapons to it. It is a top-down asteroids-like uh, space shooter. I don't play video games to relax generally because I'm fucking physically incapable of relaxation in case you can't tell. But um, let's have some more whiskey. But uh, Nova Drift is probably the most relax relaxing um, space combat Asteroids-like arcade game that I've ever played, other than Asteroids. I mean, this game has... It depends on how... It's still in early access. It depends on how they come out of early access, but so far, I mean, I've beaten the game for like three days now, or three or four days now, and I keep playing it. Because it never ends. I mean, there is no end-end to the game. Um, I've beaten four bosses so far. I mean, we're talking about four big bosses. Uh, Well... No, let me think. Okay, so first there's the ring guy. He's at level 40. And then after that, I never can see what level we're on because it's procedurally generated and so it changes all the time. But after level 40, it's just constant death. Um, I know my high score is like really big, okay, so wait, so yeah, so there's the ring guy, then there's the tank guy, who I dislike intensely, but he, I've figured out how to kill him very easily, and then there's the, um, singularity guy, who I've killed, like, three or four times, I don't know what's after him, though, I'm not sure, like, a major boss after him, I don't know, oh, yes, the next major thing that I've seen in all of my runs that I've lived long enough um, is are the uh, mine people. They fill the screen with mines and they make you blow them up until you explode and die. Um, but anyway, the beta branch is now out. Um, so check that out if you're a fan of Nova Drift, and you should be a fan of Nova Drift. In fact, I can't imagine that you are not a fan of Nova Drift. Whether you know it or not, you are going to be a fan of Nova Drift. Um, also, we have a special new and noteworthy section which we will get to immediately uh, post-haste as soon as Ivor based you with the... Come on, I, you do it! I was a North American fall when were in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. Excellent. There we go. So this new and, this week's new and noteworthy segment isn't so much a new and noteworthy uh, as it is new and noteworthy to me. We'll start off with a game called Mutant Year... Whoa! Easy for me to say. Mutant Year Zero uh, Road to Eden which run, which came out forever ago. Let's take a look. 
Uh, Mutant, Ro- uh, Mutant Year Zero Road to Eden came out December 4th, 2018. So that's a long time ago. Uh, developed, developed by the Bearded Ladies, published published by Funcom. I think I tried to run this game earlier before Proton, and I couldn't get it to run. But anyway, it builds itself as a tactical game combining the turn-based combat of XCOM with story, exploration, stealth, and strategy. Take control of a team of mutants uh, navigating a post-human Earth, created by a team including former Hitman leads and the designer of Payday. And it is a really cool game. I've only played like 14 minutes of it, but it runs great now under Proton, and it is playable. So if the game is new to you or new to me or whatever it works great on Proton it also has a free demo Mutant Year Zero Road to Eden demo it has a really interesting hybrid concept of uh, XCOM tactical stealth like in real time with these beautiful environments in this lush post-apocalyptic green world you start off playing as a humanoid duck highly reminiscent of Howard the duck um, and some sort of nondescript like mule like mutant you're all mutants now there are no more humans it looks like a game that lots of time and attention went into um, it is $34.99 I can't wait to get some more time to play it also up next is The End Is Nigh. The End Is Nigh is a punishing, well, ball-breaking, okay, dick in the drawer. I don't know if you're new to this show, you may not have heard me say that too often because I reserve it only for the hardest games that I know of. This dick in the drawer is like two levels beyond daddy hits you because you're cry- daddy hits you because you cry as like the design the overarching design ethos of a video game. Like daddy hits you because you cry is like oh, let's see. Um daddy hits you because you cry is a good Super Meat Boy uh, description of Super Meat Boy's level of difficulty. Uh, the End Is Nigh is dick in the drawer, which means it's like the developers want to slam your dick in a drawer. Take your dick out of your pants if you have one. Uh, you can use uh, parts of the female anatomy to adequately simulate this, but it's really the testicular pain that is, I think, unique to my gender that uh, really defines this unique classification and codification of difficulty. Um, slamming your... You take your dick, you put your dick in the drawer, and then you slam your dick in the drawer. Um other previous levels of difficulty have been described as cock punchery as in you're getting punched in the cock by the fucking developers this is full on dick in the drawer level hard but it does have one of the most hilarious introductions that I have ever seen I'm going to now play it for you Uh, Ivor can you punch that up for me what do you mean no alright we're not going to play it for you Anyway, the world ends at the beginning of the game. It seems like a very post-apocalyptic uh, themed show, suddenly. Um, and the whole game is in black and white. You play a little snot ball. You can't really attack anything. The entire world is collapsing around you. And uh, you're actually a live streamer. And your favorite... The world has ended while you're live streaming. 
and it breaks your favorite video game that you're like just showing off. It's hilarious. And it's so accurate. It's it's I I I've been in in almost the exact same position as the main character in the game um with minus the apocalypse. But then you have to run and jump and wall grab your way through the collapsing um world. I spent now I preserved this. I wrote it down. I have spent exactly 16 minutes in the end is nigh. I have died 58 times in those 16 minutes. It might be the hardest game I've ever played in my entire life. I, it might be. I'm never going to play it again. But if you're really, because I'm not really into games that are so, you know, dick in the drawer hard that, uh, I don't know. I don't really see a compelling reason to ever revisit it again. Although I'm sure that when I'm stoned, I will revisit it again because it does seem like a good game to mindlessly throw yourself into spike pits and crushing buildings and etc. It's a two-dimensional side-scrolling platformer, all in black and white. Uh, the End is Nigh is also $14. Or no, The End, end is Nigh is $14.99. As is Nova Drift, by the way. Um... Mutant Year Zero is $34.99. Alright, so brings us to our final uh, new to us, hopefully noteworthy to you, and this game is fucking noteworthy because there is no other type of game there is no other game available for Linux that even approaches this next game's uh, level of Anyway, it's a skateboarding game. We don't have any skateboarding games other than Ollie Ollie and Ollie Ollie 2 which don't really count as skateboarding games. They're more like... I don't know. They're just not really skateboarding games. They're not like Tony Hawk. Well, neither is this game. Skater XL now runs via Proton. It is still in early access. Right Lately, the reviews have been mixed, which is unfair because they push out a fucking... It's still in early access and they push out an update every one to three months. And they are going to get this right. They are not going to get it done. Do you want it right or do you want it done? They're going to get it right. Skater XL is a very unique game. You can look forward to a full feature on Skater XL later on um, in, in the coming months. The deal here is you control your front foot and your back foot with your analog sticks. That's it. This makes the game almost okay, so we, we've all probably, I can't think of the names of any titles, but we've played all of us have um, skateboard games or snowboard games that have tried to be too painfully simulate to provide too painful a simulacrum in terms of realism between the sport which they are trying to um, portray and the reality of the sport meaning, you know, like, generally like, things feel slow, sluggish, unresponsive, stupid, blah. This game is buggy as fuck. I will not lie to you here. Like, there will be times where you will spawn and you will, you know, you will just, you'll spawn and you'll be on the skateboard and you'll touch anything and then you'll die. Which is okay, because it doesn't matter. There's only one area in which you can skate, but that one area in which you can skate is skate full. Once you learn how to grind, it feels like you're grinding. Once you learn how to really grind and control every aspect of the grind with just your feet, 
it, 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 shit gets real. It took me about, like, I guess two hours before I could really, uh, even approximate that. Once you start learning how to do, uh, kickflips and shit, the game just starts to sing. Now, granted, like I said, it is pretty buggy, but it's got a lot of flack for, like, not having an update every week, which is just ridiculous. People are very impatient with this game because they love it. Um, and they, there is no scoring system yet, which does kind of suck. That's the thing I'm most waiting for. There needs to be like some sort of scoring system. They're working on building out more environments right now. Currently, you can only skate at the LA, LA courthouse, um, which is really fucking cool. Yeah. Okay. So I played an hour and 30 minutes of the game. Find some, uh, find some of the better YouTube videos and you will start to make this game sing. I mean, it sings. It is glorious. And it strikes a perfect balance between Tony Hawk, uh, which I would say, you know, Tony Hawk ridiculousness, because like there was a lot of shit that was completely ridiculous in Tony Hawk, but that it was great. I mean, I love Tony Hawk a lot. Um, Like grinding on power lines, which probably not like really advised, advisable. Um, but this game feels like you are really on a skateboard. Um, and it, it's, it's pretty amazing. So that is Skater XL, which is, how much do they want for it? They want 20 bucks for Skater XL. So go support that in early access if you want to see, um, it's not natively on Linux, but it, you know, it, it runs via Proton. It's great. Um, so if you want to see some more skateboarding on Linux, then go buy Skater XL. Help support these motherfuckers. Um, I'll be posting a review as soon as I get to like, you know, my, my, my criteria for posting Steam reviews are not the same as posting uh, reviews on this show. Like, this is the ultimate fucking final arbiter. This is the final countdown. This is the ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny. You know, when I fucking post a review in this podcast, then you know it has been fucking reviewed. Now, our next feature, our feature, we'll be closing the show with, is not a is not a review is not a review. There we go. Use your words, Seth. Use your words. Um, it is a feature. Kick it, Ivor. Perfect. Oh my god! It's the Libyans. The Libyans. Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooby. So then, unless you've been living underneath a rock, Total War Three Kingdoms came out last week, and I have played a little over 11 hours, a little under 12 of it. So first of all, so this is not a review, this is a feature, but due to the like, tremendous popularity of uh, the Total War franchise, and the fact that it runs out of the box, I don't know if it's a native Linux port, or if it's running via Proton, but Feral Interactive was involved. So, who knows? It doesn't really matter to me one way or the other, because I nine times out of ten, I can't tell the difference between a fucking native port and a Proton uh, game anymore, which is great. That's the goal. That would be the ultimate dream. But, this is just a feature, you know, we're... Uh, you know, we're, tw- we're, we're 12 hours in. We're 12 hours into... Total War Three Kingdoms. I've played one campaign long enough to lose it. Well, not lose it, lose it, but like, 
tire. Next two turns, I'm going to lose it. Anyway, and before we continue any further, I should say that I'm not the best person to evaluate a Total War game. I have not played any of the Total War franchise since, oh god, since a long time. I've been out of Total War for a long time. Basically because it's not my type of game. Like, Not only is it like real-time strategy uh, in terms of uh, the actual the way the battles unfold, um, every one of them has always been a little different, and uh, this one more so than anyone that I can remember. And I've watched a lot of Total War over my lifetime. But anyway, and if you've listened to the show, then you know that I'm not a big fan of real-time strategy. And what you have in Total War is pseudo real-time strategy. It's real-time strategy with the ability to pause the action, uh, assign various units to do various different things you know, blah 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 and then watch it all play out and then you'll pause it again and, you know, reassign units to do other different things, you know, etc, etc, etc I'm sure you're all familiar with the concept of real-time strategy, I don't need to fucking further belabor that point. More whiskey! So... That having been said, one of my favorite games, and I can't remember which Romance of... Was it Romance of the Three Kingdoms 6? Or 5? There's a hilarious... Among among my old group of high school, pseudo-high school friends, there's a famous story of where we were all sitting around trading off controllers. It was four-player uh, Romance of the... It was on PlayStation... One, I want to say, maybe PlayStation Two, probably PlayStation One, and uh, that game was fantastic. Um, and my turn came, and you know we we've been playing for like six hours or whatever. We had a good campaign going on against each other, and uh, I found this one menu option to exile myself, which I thought meant if you exiled yourself, I thought that meant that you exiled yourself for that turn or until you know, you came out of exile but no, I exiled myself and that like, completely removed me from the game there was no way to undo it, which was hilarious because then everyone else had to go on for the next nine hours fucking handing me an empty controller <laughs> that I couldn't do anything with um, anyway Total War Three Kingdoms is the first, I think uh, Total War game to take place in China mm. it is very, very pretty um, that having been said, let me just go through, let me take through, I, I kept a little list as I was playing the game. So first of all, I start off as Cow Cow, um, and I'm playing this on easy mode, and in just a full disclosure, playing this on easy mode, because I suck at these type of games. As you can tell, I exiled myself from a fucking four-player, uh, 25 years ago, and I've never been able to live it down. So anyway, <laughs> I imagine Joe Jokimon Kendall, if he hears this, he will he will laugh at remembering that because that was, was particularly amusing. I wonder whoever won that game though. Cause I think it was like Dave, Greg, and and Jokimon. Or no, it was Alex, Jokimon, and Dave then. Cause I was the fourth. Yeah. I was the meat. I was the room meat. But anyway. So I start off as Cow Cow. And the game does a really good job of hassling you with this fucking talky assistant bitch who unlike other Total War games is like constantly in your face 
and I wish that they had spent a lot more money less money on her and diverted that money to actually having uh, your characters deliver some of the more significant um, news stories that happen at the beginning of your turn or significant uh, events that occur mid-turn um, because one of the ways in which the game shines is where your character gets where you get where the player gets a sense of personality of your character when they you know shit talk and stuff at other characters but that's okay the one nice thing and you can configure the talky chick who's like your personal assistant who is kind of like the tutorial mode adjunct you can configure her so that she doesn't interrupt you as often mm. by like three hours into the game you'll be afraid to turn her off because you don't want to miss valuable insights because you still don't know how to play the game but she will constantly interrupt you no matter what the fuck it is you're doing which is kind of irritating and I don't think that there's I don't think they seize the day because the copy in the game is really good the copywriting is really good um it's generally historically accurate from what I know of the period this is for this is first century common era China this is like 160 CE it's awesome it's like ancient fucking history it's it's, it's the Chinese feudal wars and there are two modes you can play the game and you can play it in romance mode where your generals are more important than your soldiers meaning to wit you can control your generals independently as a single unit uh, apart from your actual units and that means you can send them into battle to fight other generals which is kind of cool because it's how I've won every single fucking battle I've ever fought and how I've suffered some of my most crushing defeats but anyway my first campaign I was cow cow and this Okay, well, I'll just tell you what happened, and then I will. Then I'll go back to my list here because my cow cow campaign went on for about nine hours and is a pretty good sample size on easy of what the gameplay is like. So, as cow cow, I cut a swath through the center of China. I mean, a big swath all the way to the sea. Um, just conquering and consolidating my power among all these little tiny fiefs and stuff. Along the way, I formed alliances with other people and trade alliances with other people. I sacked and upgraded villages, towns, and I upgraded them into small cities. Um, and I profited greatly from the tax revenue, etc., etc., etc. Also, crucial to the game... Okay, so there's two parts of the game, basically. If you've never played a Total War game before, this is kind of... This is kind of the way that they've generally designed them, but this one's a it's a little different, and I don't really have enough experience with recent Total War games to tell you how drastically you vacillate, so I'm just going to tell you what the experience is like. So at the start of each turn, when you're in the map mode, which sucks, but we'll talk about that later, um, you get to fortify, you get to upgrade a single construction in every village that you have if you have the money to do so, which affords you advantages which will be completed 
in however many subsequent turns. You also get to recuperate any generals who've been wounded and not killed. Generals can be killed. They can be killed forever and they are gone forever and that means they need to be replaced. You can also, if you're in friendly territory, recruit extra units for any army up until their maximum unit strength. Um, This is very reductionist and very simple. It's also probably one of the things that I like most about the game um, because you can only have from what I've seen, you can only have three generals per army. And armies are slow because they're moving on foot generally. Even the cavalry has to move, you know, with the army. And the army is moving on foot. And China is a fucking enormous place. The game does not do a good job of expressing how enormous China is, at least in the early campaigns from what I've seen. I've only done two campaigns and I've failed both of them. Um, I don't know if other campaigns with other characters give you more of China to deal with or but I imagine according to Fagledorf that they do because uh, you can each character that you pick as your starting you know as the your starting guy for your campaign confers upon you certain major major tactical and strategic advantages both economic war etc 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 a whole host of shit I've only been cow cow why? Because Cow Cow has the coolest hat and the best beard. So, the guy with the coolest hat and the best beard must always win or become the most evil motherfucker in all of China. So, as I proceeded to cut this swath, you know, mindlessly, fairly mindlessly, because I have the strategic and tactical uh, comprehension of somewhere between a, a, a housefly and a turtle, um, I ended up consolidating a huge amount of power so if you take if you take like a big circle and you put Cow Cow in the middle of that circle and make him draw like a diagonal uh, line downwards to the edge of the circle that's what I did now the problem with this is that on both sides of me I had either alliances or enemies or two layers of alliances, one on each side of me imagine like cow cows if you look at the sea back to the origin of the circle if you think of it that way if you think of it as a giant dick, once again we'll return to dicks here penetrating the vagina of China which is not how the dick went in it's just how the dick rose to power on both sides of the dick the vaginal walls of China are are allies but in inside of those allies are peppered in there with adversaries on the outer layer of that layer of the vaginal walls i know this is isn't this exciting i'm i'm masturbating as i as i tell you this it's just so it's just turning me on it's pumping my nuts slam the dick in the drawer i forget the drawer okay so <laughs> on the outer layer of of the of of what's surrounding our 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 dick like conquests of China, not the interior layer, because those are all allies. On the outer layer are all the people that we need to conquer. This meant that I was like encircled with friends, and moving anywhere takes a long time and is really expensive. I mean, I mean, it doesn't take a long time, like as in like uh time to plan 
it takes a long time as in like many turn uh, not time to plan like well yeah time to plan and also because i do know planning i'm i'm a i'm a ferret i'm a marmot when it comes to you know these types of games but to get beyond like to get to where you're going to attack people you generally want to have a close commandery that's what they call them that means a, a territory that you control when you're in uh when you're in um the area that's controlled by a commandery that you own you're able to refurbish your army you can recruit more soldiers you can recruit, recruit more generals you have to buy them they are expensive and when i say expensive i mean they will make you hurt hurt a lot and then um, you can recruit individual units, and those are basically sword guys, spear guys, um, oh, Boldy Lockers is torturing me right now. Why, why the fuck is my phone turned off? Um, anyway, I haven't heard from him in months. So anyway, moving on. Um, the problem with this is I'm now encircled by my allies. This leads us to the second biggest point. Uh, that I have about this game. Well, not the second biggest, because I've got a lot of points here. The map mechanics are confusing. What the fuck is going on? If Boldy's fucking messaging me here... Fuck off, dude. I'm recording... Never mind. Anyway. The map mechanics, they're confusing and they're difficult. Frequently, while you're pursuing, like, whatever the fuck it is that you're doing, like, you know, I want to go kill this guy... There will be people who at the beginning of or in the middle of that's not your turn, like you end your turn it goes through it's like a turn based um, what do you call it, a uh, uh, board game and it goes through everyone else's, all the other well they're not daimyos, but all the other feudal lords, what their actions are in relation to what you've just done in, in relation to each other, and there are a lot of them because it is feudal China because the game takes place right after um, the three kingdoms are broken up basically it's my impression of it. Yeah, and it starts with the Yellow Turban Rebellion and Dong Zhao and, you know, your you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, it does do a better job of educating you, though, however, on, like, the base mechanics more or less of the real time, of the, of the turn-based, you know, board-like game than it does in any other aspect of the game. And it's actually kind of important because that's like where all your economic shit happens and blah blah blah. But, back to the map. The map mechanics are confusing and difficult and they don't have any fucking overlays that tell you who are your allies, how long you've been allied with them, what the strength of your alliance is. You have to do that on an individual basis. And the map constantly shifts perspective based on whatever your last perspective was. There is no unified map perspective. So what was once north can sometimes be south and this can be very confusing when you have Yun Shao and Xiao Yun and you know all these other fucking people whose names look very similar to each other. Like you know uh, uh, it, it gets very complicated to remember who the fuck you have alliances with. That's a problem. And there is no overlay that actually, that to my satisfaction, adequately ameliorates this 
crippling deficit. I think it's a crippling deficit because it's one of the reasons why I'm not playing the game right now. Because I would play it till 20 hours and then give you a fucking full review. But I don't think I'm ever going to get good enough at this game to give you a full review. So this is our feature of it. You know, 13 hours in. You can take from this what you want, but it is an objective assessment of how the game plays. Even though, you know, I am I'm an ingenue more or less to Total War. Because it's been fucking 20 years since I played fucking Total War Rome, I think. So, it's hard to figure out who you're allied with. It's also hard to figure out who you have trade alliances with. And these things matter because when you break them, they have cascading effects. So there's like a faction alliance, there are trade alliances, and then there's like demi-permissive army alliances like where you allow free travel of military free travel and building of military forces other than your own through your lands um according to you know tributes and etc all of that stuff is actually very easy to do but setting up diplomacy when you have such a shitty map is really difficult and you can zoom all the way out to like a big tactical map if if people who are big fans of the game want to jump on me and say that I'm not using the map appropriately then chances are that I probably am not, but I've spent a lot of hours, I mean 11 you know, 12 hours is a lot of time because the last I'll say 11 hours because the the last hour is just the new campaign that I've started, which is already failing, it's already uh, foundering, but it I don't know and I, I've read everything in the game the game has presented me with, and I can I can find no way to ameliorate this massive difficulty. Um, so it's hard to figure out who you're allied with. It's also hard to figure out if they're part of your faction or not. And if they are part of your faction, or if you just have a trade alliance with them. And if you do have just a trade alliance with them, how long does that last? You know, and I guess it's possible, it's conceivable, they all last for forever, which does not make any fucking sense to me. But anyway, because like normally trade alliances last for a set period before they have to be renewed. That's like, you know, I mean, look at fucking uh, Cleopatra and fucking Rome, you know, like fucking Anthony and Cleopatra. It's like, well, fine. We, you know, anyway. So let's take it to the battle level, battlefield level. This is really good. It looks really good, too. Except for, and here's the bullet point that I need to address right now, the siege mechanics. If you're trying to take a city, the siege mechanics are absolutely fucking terrible. And the cities look fucking ugly. They are the most graphically disappointing aspect of the entire game. Um, and they're confusing. And the actual, it's almost impossible to predict, no matter how many fucking uh, battering rams you will deploy onto the battlefield, whether or not they will be there, whether or not any unit will take control of them. And you can just be doing what I do, is just, you know, control A, like, select everybody, let's all go up there, and fucking beat down that fucking gate. Sometimes the battering ram doesn't ever fucking move. Sometimes it moves way ahead of everyone else. Sometimes no one else moves Something, it's, it's, it's a crapshoot and you cannot select the battering ram in of itself the battering ram is crucial because if you have to get through someone's gate to capture the central control point which is very stupid and very ugly um, in terms of the city 
it's generally at the heart of the city or at the heart of the town or the heart of the whatever it is you're fucking laying siege to it, it it's just it's a crapshoot as to whether or not once you get through the gate if any of your or if any of your um any of your units will actually follow you through that gate. So it's basically in romance mode, it is basically you taking whatever general your three generals that you have, hopefully none of them died, and getting them through that gate, which is pretty stupid, and then taking them to the enemy general in like the control point square, killing that enemy general, driving them off, and then driving off any other subsequent enemy units that want to come in. Your archers will not go into a city for some reason. I do not know why. Um, likewise, uh, I have yet to see enough, uh, cavalry or enough, uh, swordsmen or pikemen for it to make any difference as to whether or not they get into the city. And I fought, I mean, literally my, my good cow cow campaign, I have 15 different cities under my control. So that's, that's a major disappointment. And it, and the fact that the siege mechanics aren't made more simple or plain, in terms of like, okay, well, what the fuck are we going to do with this battering ram? You can't just assign people to the battering ram. It doesn't make any fucking sense and it's it's very I think it's very poorly thought out. After 12 hours, I can say that I think it's very poorly thought out and it's also very dissatisfying because it's a crapshoot as to whether or not uh, what you have attempted to strategize either or, you know, just tactically strategize because like, alright, fine, I'm laying siege to a city bad thing about this is that if you fuck up like laying siege to a city you know in enemy territory you don't actually end up capturing it uh, and you're repulsed then other guys can come in and fuck you up before you can get back to where friendly territory is where one of your commanderies is are whatever the fuck Um, you can't get back to friendly territory in time or in any expeditious form to resupply your army to you know blah also if your generals get killed or knocked out they can get knocked out they can get injured and they can be out for you know three to five turns some of your units can be out for three to five turns you can also disband units if you have tons of money which you will never have um unless you're fucking Fageldorf who likes to play it as whatever guy can capture everything from the Han Empire by just walking to it guy's got, I bought the game for the kid and he's got like two hours in the game and the first hour was like, oh this is great and then like, I've not heard from him since so I don't give a fuck There's no no, no further useful intelligence from Fageldorf on that but um so the siege mechanics are truly ugly and uh, siege mechanics are ugly and work only occasionally, speaking of working only occasionally sometimes orders in uh, combat sometimes like you'll give an order, like you'll you either select all with the mouse or just control A like I do with the keyboard with everything on pause and you'll tell everyone to go attack this one guy and no one will do anything. Or like just the generals will do something. And I don't know, and you'll have to reissue this command numerous, 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 numerous times. And this is even before like anyone has taken significant damage. Because I was thinking maybe this, I, I don't know if it, if this is just a bug in the, excuse me, I keep burping, um, in the user interface or whatever, or in the game's design, or 
if it's because your units are just reticent to attack a force that is that great, but I've seen it happen on all size sizes of forces, like I can have like a, a humongous army and they can have like, you know, one general and like an archery unit and my guys won't attack them. And you'll have to pause the game and reissue that order over and over again, which I imagine would be a significant imposition if you're playing the game in like the battle realism mode in which you have a limited, you have no tactical map and your field of vision is limited exclusively to that of your units that are there presently on the ground and how far they could actually see. Um, so having to reissue those orders is really irritating. I thought for a while that it might be because your units were broken or that uh, their commander was broken or afraid or injured or they just thought it unwise to do it. No, it just seems like it does it arbitrarily whenever the fuck. And that is really irritating, especially because I play all of, in general, I play all of the battles on the fastest fast-forward mode, because they take forever otherwise, and I'm here to conquer China, not here to fucking watch 30 minutes of little fucking spec people disobey my orders. So, yeah, okay, we did the easier to learn than most Total War games in recent memory. I would say that it, it absolutely is. Um, the orders in combat having to be reissued is really irritating. The siege mechanics are, I mean, I would say that they're terrible. Unless someone, I I would say that for a game that is so menu-driven, they are absolutely unforgivably bad. That is one thing I will say. The fact that you can't assign a unit to actually mount, you know, man the battering rams, and the fact that laying siege to a town takes two turns is also really stupid takes two turns minimum, and then you have to draw out someone to fight. Then you have to fight whoever is left inside. And these are luxuries that have never, that seem to never have been afforded to me. Um, but I guess the one is like you're fighting the uh, enemy force that comes after you when you start to lay siege to the town. So they come from external of the town. And then after you defeat them, then you have to lay you have to lay siege to the town again, but this time you're invading the town, and then I guess maybe they have a garrison there. Then you have to lay you, then you have to kill the garrison, um, and then you have to occupy the town. It's a big fucking process, and it should not be this complicated to take over a farm. The same fucking process that you use to take over a farm is the same you use to take over a large city. So the siege mechanics, I absolutely hate. I do not like them at all. They make no sense. And there is no helpful uh, assistant guide for what the fuck to do with how to make it easier. I'm sure there are better players who have figured out all the subtle nuances to these aspects, but for your average player, it is going to suck. Um, The graphics, ordinary, in terms of ordinary battles where you're in like the field, where you're fighting just another guy in a field, you're not laying siege to a town, are really pretty. They look great. Uh, both geographically and graph, both they look gr- great graphically, and there's a really cool um, premium placed on the geographical elements of it, along with day and night battles. It, I've seen some sunrise battles um, in port towns that are just unbelievable. It looks like everything is running red. It has this glorious uh, Chinese watercolor. Um, uh, aesthetic throughout uh, the entire game including the menus and that's 
I would leave that I leave you with this my final as my final point. There are lots of menus. Many of them are very beautiful. Many of them are very highly animated. But a lot of them seem unnecessarily confusing. Like if I have a menu, and I mean it's a glorious menu. If I have a menu, I don't need to know you should only be one way to click in a menu. You shouldn't have to right-click, mouse over, or left-click. If you can't simplify that, I'm talking about like building uh, or improving constructions in your towns. It is a very confusing and difficult process um, that leaves you very frustrated, very frequently just ending your turn and just seeing what the fuck happens. Um, which is one of the things, there's a, every five turns you get to issue like an edict that gives you like a overall bonus that's permanent, like you can like uh, send out foreign envoys or there are edicts that uh, they're not called edicts, I can't remember what they're called but anyway it's, you know, it's Total War it's in China if you like the Total War games, you'll probably like this one a lot, there's a lot that I do not like about this Total War 20 years on it's almost been 20 years, right? since the Total War series has come out this is not a review, but you're probably never going to hear us talk about it again. So I thought I would I would come out. There are no really awesome animated CGI sequences in the game either. If that's what you're looking for, then that's not going to happen. And the siege warfare that was available in previous like Total Wars is nowhere near as detailed or as functional, nor are the cities anywhere near as pretty. Um you're you're going to find yourself struggling uh, trying to get archers to move up close enough to archer archery units or trebuchets that are mounted on city walls so that you can get any sort of cover. They're not going to want to go. And they won't go. And they will not go. Um, and that's a big pain in the ass. However, the good things about the game, it is pick up and play popcorn friendly. You spend three hours in this game just following the the step by step missions that they set out for you at the beginning of every campaign, more or less. And before you know it, you will be probably like Cow Cow was bewildered, having conquered like a third of Japan, a third of China, wondering who the fuck am I allied with, whose allies can I, whose allegiances can I break, which are important because you have a trustworthy trustworthiness score. Which starts at 100, meaning your your word is your bond, and then it goes down from there. Every time you break your word, it's like negative 20, depending on how badly you break it. Well, before doing this feature, I decided to break all of my... Just fuck it. I'm going to invade everyone who's close to me. And this broke alliances and faction alliances, all sorts of shit, so that everyone from both sides was coming at me all the time, and Cow Cow is doomed. That is frustrating to not be able to have a diplomatic overlay where you can actually see what the fuck who am I allied with? It's a simple question and it's one that the game cannot readily answer. You have to do it by hand, which is kind of interesting because it does force you to introspect into enemy generals or prospective enemy generals in their com- in their commanderies but does not give you any sense of uh, if you're allied with them or not, because you can choose to attack them, even if you're far away, you can order, you know, blah, and that'll cause a war edict, even though it might be five turns march away, but then, and so you can cancel that war edict, you don't have to go through with that, because it'll warn you, 
But it, it's a big pain in the ass, and it, one would think that they would have a better way of doing it after 20 fucking years of Total War games. However, if you're into Total War, I think you will like this, and I think that anyone who has greater patience than I, although 12 hours is a significant period of time to spend playing a game, I, I can't stand a game that is like, I don't, you know, I could do other things. I can learn, I can learn fucking, oh, you know, I could spend those 12 hours fucking working on machine learning, or I could, you know, just be running my neural networks or whatever over and over again. You know what I mean? Like, I could be testing metrics or shit, doing real things that, you know, apply to real life and, you know, actually result in real learning. So anyway, we're hitting an hour. More whiskey. Cheers. I I do not at all hate Total War, by the way. I will keep giving it several more shots, but I I doubt you will ever hear any more of it on this podcast. It is not a game that I am uniquely prepared to uh, competently... Well, not... uh, No, that's a pretty competent review. It's not a review... It's a pretty competent overview of what my experience of the game has been like. It's pretty detailed and it's pretty accurate. And it's a huge game. It's a there's a lot of shit. The for instance, like the interrelationships of your generals, uh, along with administrative appointments, becomes crucial to whether or not they betray you. Um, there's satisfaction meters and stuff. And then if you take three generals through like, you know, six battles, all of them together, um, they form a synergistic combine where you will find that your generals and you can upgrade your generals too where you find that your generals are less likely to be outright killed in combat and where they fight better together which is very interesting especially in the romance mode but other than that I got nothing else to say about Total War Three Kingdoms I bet you that if you like Chinese history you will love this game the menus and the the um the setup sequences are beautiful in Chinese calligraphy but unfortunately that beauty does not translate to huge swaths of the game specifically in siege modes um and there you go that'll do us for this week Sante mm. be sure to check out Nova Drift in the beta if you have Nova Drift be sure to activate the beta branch because those four other guns are really cool one of them is a dart gun that I am not sure if I find completely stupid or not, but um, also that I, another game that I mentioned, well, never mind. We're, we'll end the show here. Alright, I will see you next week. Check out Total War. You know, watch the developers live stream it. that, Or watch me live stream it. I will be live streaming it occasionally throughout the weekend just because I tend to live stream stuff that I've just posted a uh, a podcast about check it out uh, it is expensive, it is 60 bucks uh, and there you go now Lewis, take us out Ivor four or five times a good idea four or five times hi there there is delight in doing things right four or five times it is I, E.B. Farm maybe I'll cry I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yaddy yaddy oh, four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yaddy yaddy four or five times. Matt. 
Damien. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. Hello, great justice.